Hi, and welcome to MentorCore. If you're new here, we're a community focused on helping people in the security, risk, and compliance fields grow their careers and leadership skills through mentoring. You can find more information about MentorCore at mentorcore.biz. I'm Dan Ayala, along with Lisa Beth Lentini Walker. Now, on to this week's discussion. Welcome to yet another round of MentorCore podcast. Uh, today, I am delighted that we have with us Kelly Willenberg. And Kelly is such an amazing person. I'm so thankful that I um, managed to run into her and maintain her in my um, professional and friend circles. Kelly has such an amazing background. She's an oncology nurse um, and has done so many things in the compliance profession, particularly around billing and reimbursement and clinical trial management. This is an area where we haven't had a speaker yet. So I'm super excited to hear about Kelly, her background, but I don't want to take even one more moment away from, from Kelly. Kelly, thank you for joining us. Um, I would love to hear your backstory. How did you get here? Thank you, Lisa Beth, for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. I think my backstory is a little um, odd because I started out as a nurse um, doing oncology trials in at Denver Children's Hospital and begged my nursing preceptor at the University of Alabama in Huntsville to not put me in oncology um, for my preceptorship. And lo and behold, when I ended up at Denver Children's Hospital, I ended up floating to the oncology ward every night, taking care of very ill children on clinical trials. Had never done a clinical trial, didn't even know what it was, didn't have any background about it in nursing school. And proceeded to stay in the oncology world um, and ended up at Vanderbilt for about 13 years. And when I was at Vanderbilt, I started working in clinical trial billing compliance. Um, doing budgeting, coverage analysis before they were coverage analysis, and ended up owning my own company now for about 14 years. And um, along the way, have had the opportunity to work with many hospitals, um, facilities, physician practices, pharma, and of course, um, serving on the HCCA board, SCCE board with you and learning a lot about compliance as I moved through this path um, uh, and not even knowing that I was going to end up where I am today. Talk about walking through multiple different doors as those opportunities came knocking. And I love that you have this very practical experience of what it is to be in nursing because so many people enter a profession and they don't know what those frontline individuals are seeing, hearing, experiencing every day. How does that experience shape your worldview when it comes to compliance? I think as a nurse, I, I do see compliance a little differently because I see it from the clinical side. Um, I've worked with some of the most brilliant physicians in the world in oncology. And today we do more than just oncology um, in my company. But I think having been a nurse, having been someone who consented patients to clinical trials, who saw families going through the, the process of a clinical trial and what that involved has helped me through the years um, at, you know, to, to be able to help other nurses who wanted to enter into the clinical research field um, and encouraging nurses that are not in the research field to, to evaluate how they touch a research patient. 
um, in their roles as a as a infusion nurse or as a uh, office nurse or as a school nurse. I mean, I think it's interesting today that nurses are in a lot of different roles that you don't even you're not even aware or you don't even know they're in that role. And I've, I use my nursing background every day. I, I can't imagine I would have gotten here today without being a nurse, because when I started out as a nurse, I didn't really want to work in oncology. And I ended up working for an oncologist, a private oncologist in Denver, Colorado. And the only reason they interviewed me, I was a brand new nurse. I'd only been a nurse four months. The only reason they interviewed me is because I had been a disc jockey in college. And that was on my resume. And he, his, him and his wife said to me, the only reason we brought you in is because we wanted to see what a disc jockey and a nurse looked like. <laughs> and I ended up with the job, ended up working in clinical trials in the Eastern Cooperative Group Arena. He taught me an enormous amount of you know, experience that he had and, and helped to mentor me that I took that and, and I, I use it today. That's how I help people today. You never know what you're going to end up doing, and you might like it. But so you say you're using the you know the pieces of your of your nursing background still to this day, and they were what got you the job. You know, there was this growing, I guess, growing fear of missing out on things or not having enough or a comprehensive enough. How do you balance that? I need some experience with I need to get my foot in the door. Um, without spending all your life just gaining experience and never actually going and, and, and getting the next thing. I think, I think experience as a nurse, for some people, when they get into a, a research field, um, the, the, the clinical side is something that you can take and you can utilize. You can, you can go into the deep depths of what you learned in nursing school or, I mean, pharmacy school or you know, a, a medical school. I mean, I see people now today who are in research compliance jobs who come at this from all different areas. And it's not only the experience I've had as, as, a, as a nurse and in my working role, but it's the experience I've had as a person, as experience I've had as a, as a, as a mother of twins. Um, I mean, there's things that I've had experience in that I think helped me to grow, not only as a nurse, but I, I, I use my nursing skills in many different ways. But today, when I look at something from a compliance perspective, I'm actually thinking the way I did it in nursing school, and I'm assessing, I mean, I'm evaluating, I think about, you know, what led to something and why are you doing something? And I think that's where people in compliance can really grow. I think we've got an opportunity in this career right now for a lot of different areas, a lot of new areas. I mean, Lisa, you're, you're considered an expert in a very new area such as ESG. I mean, I think there's new things coming in clinical trial billing compliance with all the changes with Medicaid and the Appropriations Act that happened in January. Some of that is just now starting to happen and it went into effect last January. But people are seeing that there's new roles in research compliance and the life experience you have is invaluable. It's not just my nursing background. It's everything that I've done in my career that somehow has culminated into what I'm doing today. And some of it has stemmed from working with people throughout my, my career and mentors along the way who have helped me and helped me go in the direction I've gone. Because it, at times I could have taken a different path. Almost the idea of hiring the complete individual. That's true. And they're hard to find. They're hard to find right now, especially in compliance. I think the field is changing so, so quickly. I think that's one of the most exciting things about what we do today is 
it's there's this ever evolving you know new um, newness about what we're doing and there's there's new things to think about and that's the excite the, the exciting part of what I do every day it's watching the new people watching new positions watching you know clients of mine ask me questions about well what about um, ESG does that affect billing what about how, oh I understand now you're talking about supply chain let's talk about that there's so much in research that you can you can jump into I think it's there's there's opportunity. I think we've got to keep people excited because today it's hard to mentor people when everybody's remote. It's, it's an area that I think is, is really kind of challenging for some of us that have done it a long time. Some of us that aren't, haven't always wanted to work at home, who have had to work at home. Today, there's a generational issue with working at home and, and how do you keep these people engaged? And we're seeing that across the board at facilities, in jobs, in organizations. It's just, it's a, it's a moving target right now. Of course, you know, I love that you bring this mindset from your nursing training into how you lead in compliance, right? I hear a lot of people talking about, you know, maybe they had legal training and so they bring some of that, you know, issue rule application, you know, conclusion mm -hmm. uh, mindset to what they're doing. Um, but I have to ask a question. What did disc jockeying give you <laughs> that became a key skill? Because I'm like ready for you to develop a playlist here for MentorCore um, or maybe DJ the next uh, the next compliance get together. Oh, I would love to get back into disc jock the disc jockey world. I have to tell you, I I. I ended up on the radio in nursing school after winning a contest um, on, on air, sitting one night study in pharmacology, called in, won tickets to something, met a fellow disc jockey for dinner, and the following weekend I ended up on the air and I was, I was working weekends while I was in nursing school as a disc jockey. And that was back when we were spinning albums and you know it was eight track tapes were big. Um, but what I found out about, you know, uh, um, marketing and how, how that, that really grew for me was I was on the air. I was an on-air personality. Um, I began to be requested to do um, ads and commercials. And I was, it, I was able to connect with people. And I was connecting in a way I had never had. I mean, it was different. I mean, nursing, it was the compassion and the caring of the patient. I was out, you know, uh, basically on, on, on stage um, as a disc jockey. We were doing a traveling show for weddings and bar mitzvahs. And, you know, I was part of that team that went out and, and we were dancing and partying with the, the crowd. And it, it, it actually probably, my, my parents will say today that it, I was always an open out outward facing person. I was always kind of the life of the party type A. I wanted to be involved in everything, but I, you know, in, in doing dancing as a child, cheerleading in high school, you know, and then becoming a disc jockey while I was in nursing school, I wasn't shy in nursing school, but the, I think that opportunity and that put me out there in a way that I was a little bit more open. And I, I had to converse with people on the air and I, it was a different a different area. And I've, I only did it for a couple of years, but I loved it. And I would like to do it again. Um, I think it would be fun. 
<laughs> well, I, I, I think I'm going to venture to say that you may be the first person who's had this jockeying experience as a guest on our podcast. But what I really like about these stories is how you're able to weave it into the skills that you bring right now. Uh, because it is true, every experience that you have, whether it's, you know, being a parent to twins or um, a DJ or a nurse or, you know, uh, I don't know, arranging flowers, like all of it leads up to the sum of who you are and how you are your right. authentic self within the world that we live in. No, I agree with that. I think that it, it takes all different types of, of experiences to create a person's personality as they grow in life. And I think different jobs do that. I mean, I, you know, I was never shy. I guess you guys are probably not surprised by that. But I, when I became a disc jockey and I was, I was having to do things behind, I was basically not doing anything where people saw me. You know, it was, I was doing it behind the scenes and I was only doing it on weekends, but I thoroughly thought that was a, a great opportunity for me. But then as I got involved in, public speaking. I was, you know, uh, president of the multiples of America and, and spoke at the castle in Finland. Some of that I was like, okay, you know, I, I was on stage again. And I, some of the stuff I learned at, at, at that job and learned with my nursing career has transpired into who I am today and why I'm, I present and I speak and I'm not afraid to do that. And I think that's an area where people are not as easily, um, you know, stepping into people are not wanting to be out there in front of people today. Yeah, that's, and it's too bad because, well, look, let me rephrase. There are those that it's right for and those that are, it is not right. right. For me, it's something that's very right. Uh, so I, I, I mean, I, I revel in those kind of things and I'm glad to hear you do too. Um, but that said, one of the things that's, that's interesting about that is you feel, we, I don't know about you, but you're always on. There's always right. you know, some kind of out interaction. How do you go about maintaining your own wellness in that case, when you are publicly visible, when you're out talking and communicating, um, how do you balance that all out? I think that's tough. I think that's a really good question. Um, you know, my husband passed away suddenly five years ago and he used to say when I'd come in the door from a long trip or I was on the road, I'd come in cause I was traveling 300 days a year when he was a here, he'd say, okay, you need to, you can turn it off now. You're home, you don't have to be on. <laughs> And I think today it's, you know, we all live on, on Zoom or WebEx or, and I think we're on a screen so much that we've, we've almost gotten to the point where my well-being now is I need time away from being on the screen because I'm on the screen sometimes six, eight hours a day. And I think I've had to be cognizant of that. And, and I, I used to never want to be by myself. Um, now, I don't want to go back and be by myself again during COVID. Let's just not go there. But um, I think today now, as, as, I, as, I, as I get older and I, I start to see, you know, okay, what do I want to do in my next, you know, career down the line? If I'm going to do this for another 10 years, what do I want to do? Um, I treasure the time that I have that I can just not be on screen, not be on a mic, um, not talk to people and just read a book, go for a walk, enjoy nature, enjoy the beach, 
enjoy my grandkids. There, that time now, and I think people need that time today. I think people need to take that time for themselves because so many people are living on screen and they're living, it, it, you're, it's like you're almost in a, I mean, I, I feel like this is, I used to say I was in a fishbowl when I was out doing stuff. Now I feel like I'm in a fishbowl in my office all the time because I've got my screen on all the time. And I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I, I, it's not, that's not a good feeling to, to always be, have to be on. No, it's really draining. And at the end of eight yes. hours of it, um, I, well, I, I like you, I'll find time on that couch there and just not have the screen on and not be looking at a computer and just read a book, paper book or something. Yeah. That's, or even if it's in the middle of the day, it's a good way to detach. Uh, and then when the Apple thing comes up, the screen time comes up and says you were on your screen for 19 and a half hours. Average and we need per to have a conversation week. about that. <laughs> that's a good thing to eat. But, but that's exhausting even saying it out loud. It, has it to is. Be. Yeah. I mean, you think to yourself, okay, what did I, okay. So when did I sleep is what I would be thinking. Did I sleep? Did I and sleep? I think it's, I think people have to do that. They have to put down, they have to get away from the computer. They have to put down the phone. They have to put down the iPad. They have to take time for their mental health and their, their psychological health. And I think that the way we, the way people are today, that, that all those pieces are part of it. And, and, and people who are, who are stressed out. One of the things I say to people now is if they seem, you know, distraught, I say, man, get away from the computer, get away from the phone, you know, go outside. I try to go outside once a day. I mean, there's days that I don't ever leave my desk except to walk I, I, outside. I, sorry, I'm laughing because I too, I try. It's really yeah. funny. I never thought I would have to try to go outside once a day, but I do have to try. Right. And, and I used to, I mean, before COVID, I was going to the gym every day. Well, I, during COVID that stopped. So now I, I have to do, you know, I have to do exercise on my own because I don't go to the gym anymore. I, and quite frankly, I don't have time. Right. You know, it's, I, I mean, like you, I'm working 17 hours a day. What is going on? How are we busier? We have no commute. We have no, you know, exactly. Walking between meetings time. So, How are we busier? Let me are. change tack here we a are. little bit. One of we the are. things that I'm just always continually impressed about with you is that you're bringing people together for different conferences, for like the billing compliance conference and everything else. So you're doing so much in the community. Like, tell us what you're excited about and then what you're thinking about in terms of the new generation that's coming up and how they're, you know, being mentored. Well, I, you know, I've done conferences for years and I've done trainings and um, seminars and I thrive on being in front of people who are learning. It, it, it is invigorating to me to watch somebody in an audience, watch them understand something or their light bulb to go on and you see it, you can watch it. Um, you know, I'm doing clinical trial billing conferences and I, I, I customize those to be just clinical trial billing because that is such a small piece of research compliance that, you know, I know, and I think there's, you can't go to a conference and just get that. And there's people in this country that that's their job. That's all they do. That, that's what they were hired to do. And I've started do, you know, doing those top types of conferences again in person. Um, and it's, it's a different, it's a different time. It's new people are coming in, but you've got new people coming in who have never stepped foot at their facility. I mean, I had a conference in August that there were people in the audience that were brand new who had never met the people they work with. We asked those questions during the conference. 
And I think we've got to figure out how to connect people again. And it, and I, yes, I mean, Ryan Mead used to say to me, I don't know how you remember everybody's name in a room. And that was something that I thought was always important. You look at that. Well, no, but yeah, in some ways, but I can remember people's names. I can remember they had a, a child at U, at University of Pittsburgh. I could remember that, you know, their husband was a, you know, a doctor. I, I could remember things like that. And, and I think that's where we fail today. We don't connect with people. We don't get to know people like we used to. And I think if we're going to mentor people in this field, we've got to mentor and, and I, I almost push them to get to know each other, connect, collaborate, not do everything on a screen. Because I think that's where I think the in-person conferences, even virtual conferences, we try to do virtual conferences and I do virtual trainings where we have people do interactive things on the screen. We try to get them to connect on the screen, you know, and, and become individuals that know each other. How do you, how do you connect them where they actually know who, who the person is? Not just see their name on a screen with a blank and not, no camera on. I think that's important. And I think that's challenging in this area. You know, I'm excited about being back in person at conferences. It's a different, it's a different world though. I mean, and, and it's, it, it's been different. Any conference I've been to, it's been different. You know, I do a lot of advocacy work in, in DC and I'm uh, at the state level. I've been in DC twice in the last two weeks at the Capitol and meeting with, with senators and congressmen about nursing issues and various things. It's funny how some offices are all back in and some offices it's all still zoom and some offices you were wearing a mask so it's that you know you you had in some offices you felt like there was a big a true connection in some offices you felt none so it it, it we've got to get back to connection we're going to lose people if we don't we're going to end up with new ways of doing that too you know yes. new ways to be able to connect where it used to be much more straightforward or much more single tracked. Well, Kelly, unfortunately, we are already to the end of our time. Um, just amazing discussion. Thank you so much. But as you know, we ask all of our guests one final question. Um, and we're not going to ask you. We're going to ask you something you're not prepared for. Oh, uh -oh. just kidding. We're going to ask you the regular one. Um, what is the best advice you've ever received from a mentor? I would, I would say that I received negative advice in nursing school that from a nursing instructor that she told me I would not ever be anything as a nurse. Um, and I remember that vividly when she told me that in a hallway and I was the, the president of the student nurse association and I had bucked some systems at the nursing school and she was not fond of me. And mm. I remember thinking, just watch me. And then I have to give credit to Ryan Mead. When I started my company almost 14 years ago, he looked at me, he was sitting across from me in Baltimore, and he said, you can do anything you put your mind to. You just, you just have to believe it. Try it, and if you like it, just see where you can go. And I think I needed to hear that at the time. And, and I, I, I think mentors encouraging you are important, but I, I think back to that nursing instructor who kind of deflated me at the time. And really, um, I, I felt really down, but that made me determined to, to become something in nursing that today, I she's long gone, um, but I would have loved to have gone back to her and say, look at me now.
<laughs> I don't know what you were thinking, but you can, nice. you can do anything you put your mind to. So where can people find you? I have a website, kellywillenberg.com. Uh, and they can certainly look me up on LinkedIn. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn and um, I, I, I tweet. So um, between the three, you probably can find me. And um, I, I have a couple conferences coming up. So I'd love to see people at billing conferences. Um, and I'll, I, of course, I go to all the HCCA and SCCE conferences. So um, you can find me at most conferences if you look hard enough. Wonderful. And we'll put links to all three of those ways of getting in touch with Kelly into the show notes. So please take a look. Kelly, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. It's great insight and great information um, and great experience. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to have talked to both of you today. I hope everybody has a great day. Thank you. And thanks to you, the listener. We really appreciate you being here. Um, and we also appreciate your feedback. Uh, please drop us a line, info at mentorcore.biz. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you didn't like. Tell us about topics or people you'd like to see us interview. We want to hear from you. Uh, if you want more information about MentorCore, you can find it at mentorcore.biz on our website, or you can get all of our past episodes on that same website or your favorite podcast application. Or if you're into the video, you can go to YouTube and search for MentorCore. Thanks again for being here, and we'll see you again on the next MentorCore.